thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, it's great to see everybody today. Uh, I want to celebrate, in addition to uh, our kids giving their lives to Christ, last week we had uh, quite a few people get baptized, uh, making a public declaration about uh, that Jesus has transformed their life and going public. And so can we give a big hand to everybody that got baptized last week? We celebrate you. And uh, we don't just celebrate you last week, we're still celebrating you, and we're so excited about the work uh, of what Jesus is doing in your life. Hey, welcome to Radiant, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name's David, and this is my beautiful bride, Renata, and we are so grateful uh, that you're here today. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go after Colossians chapter 2. Uh, I do want to give just one more reminder, and that is that on Monday nights, uh, we have an in-person, everybody, uh, prayer meeting taking place, uh, and it's going really well. Actually, uh, more of you came out last week than any other week that we've ever uh, had it since we've come back since the pandemic. And one of the fun things about what's going on is there's a real kind of move of God that's taking place among our teenagers, and so we've created this space where uh, you're able to drop off your teenager, come worship and pray uh, with us for an hour, and then, um, th- then we end 30 minutes before they end, and so we can all just kind of hang out a little bit, connect and talk, and then, um, and then pick up your kids. So uh, in, on August 30th, we're actually going to add uh, child care. And so we'll have um, for little kids, and then, and then that'll be great for you to be able to drop off your kids. The way that I say it um, right now in this season, while you're able to bring your kids in the prayer meeting, is it's the whole family praying for the whole world. And so it's different than this kind of setting, because this kind of setting, you feel like you have to keep your kid quiet. Um, but at the prayer meeting, just let them scream. We just count it as praises to the Lord. And so uh, uh, you're able to push your kids in a stroller. You're able to let them run around a little bit. Uh, it's just a little bit more of a family environment. It's family friendly. So anyway, it's really, really been a great time. Uh, our church began with prayer meetings before uh, we ever had services. And so we believe that this is the engine of the church. That's the famous Charles Spurgeon line that the, the prayer meeting is the engine of the church. And he used to uh, have his prayer meeting on Monday night. So if Spurgeon did it, what's up? We're going to do it too. And so uh, anyway, Monday night's advertisement over. Colossians chapter two. Uh, we're in week four. And I want to just encourage you to continue reading uh, Colossians this summer. That's kind of our, our book study for the summer. Uh, we're working through it. And so last week we were in kind of that first part of chapter two, and then we're going to go after the end of chapter two today. So I'm actually going to read a lot of Bible right now, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go after it. Here we go. Colossians chapter two, starting in verse 13, says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Life with Christ. Got that? Alive. He gives three things right here. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. So Paul gives three things of God at work, not me at work, God at work, alive with Christ, life in Christ, forgiveness of sin, cancellation of debt. Then he says, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's the song we just sang. 
That's forever ungrateful. Jesus, you have gone to the cross. You've saved me and changed me. Then in verse 15, he talks about crushing the enemy and the works of the devil. This is fun. In theological terms, this is called Christus Victor. This is where we read about Christ being supreme. Christ, victory over all, says this. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's where singing about celebrate was up. Uh, we used to sing that, devil's under my feet, under my feet. That would be that verse right there. Uh, therefore, so verse 16, this is where we start applying it. And Paul's going to start, start talking about how to respond to legalistic or religious people in light of the cross. He says, therefore, every time you see a therefore, you ask the question, what's it there for? It's answering the question that's just above. Do not let anyone, so not some, do not let anyone. And you kind of feel Papa Paul here. He's... He's got a snarl when he says this. He's wanting to protect this little church that he, through Epaphras, helped start. And he's wanting to keep them protected from people that are bringing accusation. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. That's, that's legal language. It's like court language. Don't let anyone judge you like a judge. Don't let anyone judge you, judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. That's what he's communicating. Everything about Colossians, about the preeminence of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, found in Christ. Christ has died for us. Christ is all. And he's saying, don't let them judge you. It's found in Christ. And he's coming against people that are bringing judgment based upon external behavior. This first one is people that are putting too much emphasis on behavior around diet or around days, around festivals. Then he says this, uh, verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. So the Olympics just started. This would be, for them, kind of a sport term. Don't let anyone disqualify you. So don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone disqualify you. And so he's wanting to protect this little church, this just getting started fledgling church. And now he's using kind of sport language. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head. Graphic term, but he's saying they're decapitated. They're not connected to Christ as the head. Earlier in the chapter, he said Christ is the head. And now he's saying these people, they're disqualifying you. They're judging you. They're doing the behavior, but they're not connected to Christ. That's a big statement. So he gets such a person that also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions of their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with their head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments, grows as, God's, as God caused it to grow. Last little paragraph. Since you died with Christ... And that's the way that he started. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? That's the big idea he's sitting on here. These rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with the things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to behold the cross. 
We pray that we would see Jesus. We pray that Jesus would be supreme. We pray that we would see life. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that not only would we not step into legalism or religion, but we too, Lord, would not become people that judge or disqualify, that we would have a life-giving heart, that we would walk in union and communion with Christ, and that we would stay connected to the head, the preeminent Christ. In Jesus' name, all of Radiant said amen. Uh, ten years ago, uh, in the summertime, I was a youth pastor where we were doing an internship for high school young men. And so we did each morning these calisthenics with these kids out in the parking lot. And, um, and I had two different uh, guys on my team that I love a bunch. Still close to both of them. Been texting them this week. Told both of them I was going to tell the story this week. Um, one of them's name is Jared. Jared grew up uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, he's a big Sooner fan, and he's got big beard, six foot three, cool guy, man's man, tough guy, hunter. Loved to go out to the woods all the time. That was him. And he was the creator of this program. It was his kind of brainchild. And so I helped facilitate it, but ultimately he was on my team, and this was his kind of passion. This was his world. And so uh, he, he created this whole concept where these, these, these young men would show up early and they'd work out and they'd do calisthenics in the parking lot and then they'd serve the church. And, uh, and so <laughs> it was it was right as the sun was coming up, early in the morning in Colorado, you'd have like high school dudes out there running and they're flipping tires and they're um, doing push-ups and they're screaming like verses about, I beat my body, I'm making my slave. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And they're wearing like matching t-shirts and Jared is just beaming like eye to eye. Like this is living now. Like this is what life is about. Bunch of 17 year olds, they can't catch him. I mean, he He's a tough guy, and he's just loving it. He couldn't, I mean, he couldn't love man time anymore. He's got him like, it's, I mean, it's got that, that whole vibe. And very different than another one of my team members. His name is Brandon. And uh, let's say he was very different than Jared Newman. I mean, but Brandon, today, he's a CrossFit machine. But back in those days, uh, he wasn't. I'll just leave it at that, all right? And so he was not enjoying the calisthenics. Like, he was hating it. He was not loving it. And, uh, but because he was on staff and he was on the team, he had to do it. And there was this great moment that I love where he's showing up and uh, he's not wearing the right clothes. He's, he's, he's bugged and he's laying on the asphalt, dripping in sweat, early in the morning after flipping tires with teenage boys and he screams in frustration, this is why I got my master's degree so I wouldn't have to do stuff like this. <laughs> and <laughs> I got an amen from Will. And, uh, and, and I just laughed because I thought, all right, here's two different guys doing the exact same thing having the same behavior. They're both flipping tires. They're both sweating. They're both actually doing ministry. One is loving it. This is amazing. I'm doing my calling. I couldn't love this anymore. And one is enduring the behavior, the external requirement, but on the inside is ticked is a little bit bugged. He knows I'm saying this. He'll preach here one day. He's my dear friend today. He's a CrossFit machine. He's all right. But I just want to say that because you had something going on on the outside that was falling in line, but something very different on the inside. And here's Paul. And Paul in this text is juxtaposing right here in these first few verses. He helps point people to Christ, and he's talking about who Jesus is. And then the next is he's talking about people that have a behavior, but they're disconnected from the head. 
They don't have the right motivation. And so I'm going to call it legalism and life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let Jared represent life. <laughs> let Brandon represent legalism today. And I think for us, I want us to le- lean into this idea because you've got Paul and he's actually got some rage. He's actually got some frustration. You can feel his disappointment in these three different kinds of people that are bringing judgment, bringing disqualification, and judging, disqualifying this little church, these believers. And so the first group is people that are strong, legalistically coming after Sabbath and diet and days. And really, it's, it's, it's the idea of rules. They're coming and they're saying, keep the rules. This next group, there's more to it than this, but it's, it's essentially spiritual experiences. It's essentially coming in, they're talking about worship of angels, and they're coming in and they're saying, you, you don't have the right experiences. And then there's a third group saying, do not handle, do not touch. It's essentially restraint, restrictions. And it's coming in saying, you're not, you're not, you're not. And it's, the, it's a comparison, it's an accusation, it's judgment, it's disqualification. And I want to just compare these two right here, finding life or or finding legalism, because really at the end of the day, in your Christian journey, as you walk your Christian life, it's easy for you to embrace discipline, behavior, choices that you make, and it can be a filter where you're doing external things with a legalistic or a life-giving filter, a choice. And you, you're making the choice. And you can have two different people doing the same behavior, but with a different motivation, different root system. And one produces life, and one produces death. One, you want to be around, because by virtue of being around them, you're inspired. And when you're with them, you experience Christ's likeness, and they're a conduit of the life of Christ. Someone else, you're around them, and you feel comparison. You feel like they're looking down on you. You feel like I'll never measure up. You feel disqualified. You feel judged. And each of us have to come back and kind of just look and ask the question, are we living in life or are we living in death? So you've got Paul here and Paul comes along. And I think just the whole idea before he goes into talking about legalism and these three different ones, he points to Christ. And he gives the work of Christ just as he begins this text. And he says, God made you alive with Christ. God forgave your sins. God canceled your debts. And that's where I want us to land today. I want us at the end, I'm going to take us to this place where we're saying, I'm going to look to Christ. I'm going to look at God's work. Temptation, even as a follower of Jesus, after you've said yes to Jesus, is even to slowly over time get back into focusing in on my work. But the win is to look at God at work. What does it look like God at work in me and then God at work through me so that I don't end up disconnected from the head where I'm looking at what I can do? <laughs> and, and I love... Uh, I, I like when you see a movie where you see somebody who lives with gratitude the rest of their life for somebody who sacrifices or shows kindness for their sake. It's essentially one of the premises of the musical book, great movie, Les Miserables, right? And you see Jean Valjean, and it's the story of a guy 
who is transformed and his future behavior is different as a result of one person who sacrificially shows kindness. One person who gives him and essentially goes in debt for him. And you see this man who's transformed and treats other people differently and has a whole different life as a result. I was thinking about even the movie Hacksaw Ridge and the story of Desmond Doss, who was the soldier that went and took soldier after soldier, rescued them when everyone else had left them for dead, and then tied a rope around them, lowered them over the ledge, and just one at a time went back into enemy territory and just threw another one on his back and then wrapped a rope around him, lowered him down. And that, that movie shows this soldier sacrificially risking his life to go save one more. And he would just pray, God, let me just save one more. Let me just save one more. And I was just thinking about if you're one of the soldiers that he saved and you're now 40 years old and on your 40th birthday, you're forever grateful for Desmond Doss. When you're celebrating your 25-year wedding anniversary, you're just like, I'm thankful for Desmond Dawes. Like, yeah, I've done a whole lot of things to make it 25 years. Yeah, I'm grateful that I survived 40 years. Or maybe when you're 75, you're thankful. But ultimately, there is a day where you're thankful for a guy who could have left you for dead, but he saved you. And you're grateful. And that's really the core premise as... Paul takes these people and before addressing behavioral patterns, he goes internal before external. He goes and talks about motive and he literally, I just picture it like taking this little church in Colossae and taking them by the hand and pointing their eyes up towards Christ, taking them up that Calvary road and saying, never forget, God saved you. God, you were indebted and he paid your debt. He set you free. So whether you're talking holidays, fasting, experiences, things you're not doing because of God, never forget it is not your work. It was always his work first. It's, and, and I want you to get that deep in your soul. That's, that's what we would see Pastor Paul saying. He's saying, lock in with this. Get this before you get anything else because that at the core is the motive. So over the, out of the overflow of motive, yeah, you can work on getting, getting the right holidays right, or you can work on, 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 on having your experiences be right, or having even the right restrictions, all that good and great external things. But here's the core of what drives it. Get these internal things right, and that's everything. And Paul's coming against legalism hard. I want to juxtapose two different things. I want to compare them. Because I'd like to invite you to try to see them because I think it's easy for us to start off in life, grateful, thankful, but then you've been a follower of Jesus for 20 years. And without realizing it's easy to get disconnected from the head. Or John 15 would be no longer connected to the vine. Or Genesis 3 would be to start to consume out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than consume out of the tree of life. It's interesting in that moment where the, where, where the serpent says, hey, don't you know that if you eat of that, if you, if you eat of that, then you'll be like God. And the serpent actually, when talking to Eve, uses a godly 
motivation to try to get her to consume. Isn't that interesting? Meaning to be like God. So it becomes more like the, she becomes more like the serpent when she obeys, but that's, that's the root. That's the motivation. And then Hugh and I know that the result of that is always death. And in that, what we read in Genesis 3, is that moment where now that just disconnected from God. And on the cross, Jesus goes to the cross and creates the opportunity for right standing with God forever and ever. Easy for us to get graphic here, but decapitated, to lose connection with the head, lose relationship, maintain behavior, maintain in our own strength, doing some outwardly right things, and slowly over time become legalistic. Oh, we would never call ourselves that because that's painful to call ourselves that. But it's easy to get little hints of legalism and lose life, vitality. So a few ideas here. Number one, legalism says do more, but life says receive more. So legalism, I'm going to do more for God. But life says, I'm going to get full of God and then go do all that's in my heart. (laughs) I'm going to receive more. Jesus talked this way to the Pharisees in John 5 when he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life, right? So Jesus is saying right there, it's easy to go to the method, fall in love with the method, but you need to get connected to the man behind the method, Jesus. It's about relationship. That's what I'm looking for. And so... The trick for us is you and I, in a life-giving way, we develop the methods to be close, to, be, to relate, to be connected to the head, to, cons- to, to consume life, to consume God, and you're picking the filter. You'll, you'll, you'll probably either end up doing things out of your own strength or in the strength of God. I have a friend, uh, he's in his 60s, late 60s, and um, he, for over 20 years, has gone to McDonald's every day to spend time with God. And supernaturally, he's fairly thin. I mean, like, kind of crazy. But, but for 20 years, so I said to him, like, how, how is that possible? Isn't there some time where you don't have access to McDonald's? And he said, so far, McDonald's is everywhere I go. <laughs> so kudos to McDonald's, they everywhere. But but every day for 20 years, he has spent time with God at a McDonald's. Really great story when it's his own method. He set up disciplines to get close to God. Really is awesome when it's his out of the overflow, abiding, close to God, hunger. I'm going to even create. I set up my own, my own rule, my own, my own kind of personal law. I'm going to McDonald's today, right, to be with Jesus. But the moment that he flips it on me and says, David, If you were really a follower of Jesus, you'd be eating an Egg McMuffin while you had that Bible open. You want to know where the Shekinah glory is? It's the McCafe next to the Playland. That's where God dwells. And so I'm telling you, you better, all of a sudden, you flip that on me. That's what Paul's coming against. He's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Super great for you to, man, man, develop those disciplines, develop 
Develop those ways that you're getting close to God. But if you flip that and start judging other people, then you got Papa Paul saying, oh, don't you disqualify. Don't you be judged. No, no, no. And he's coming hard at those people saying, we're not, this thing's not in in legalism here. We're going to get life. Christ has done the work and out of the overflow of your gratitude for what Christ has done, for the work of Christ in you because of what Christ has done. Yeah, you're voluntarily responding and wanting to grow in Christ, but you're not doing things out of your own strength, you're doing things in his strength. You got to live in that river. If you, if you live in that river, then it'll be, it'll be a place of strength instead of a place, a place of pain. Second one is this. Legalism tries to get God's approval, but life lives from God's approval. So legalism says, I'm going to do this so that God will like me. I will. With my teeth gritted, I hate man time, but I don't want David to fire me, so I will do man time. Right? But transformed heart, I'm already approved by God because of what Christ has done on the cross. Christ, our Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What's the nature of his joy? You, you are his, he went to the cross for you. He already delights in you because of what Jesus has done on the cross. You stand, you say yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you stand redeemed. You stand in a place of God's favor. You stand in that place of, he loves me. You stand in that place of, he sings over me. He rejoices over me. What's up? I am loved. I, I, have, I, I stand in that place. So because I'm loved, then I love connecting with God. Because I am loved, I embrace these behaviors, these, these things that I'll do because I because I already stand there. I'm already in right standing because of Christ, not because of me, because of Christ, because of the cross, road to Calvary. Look, it's Christ's work. That's what Paul's saying. Uh, Renata and I put our son Dawson on a plane this week to go to missions camp in, hold it, you ready? Wait for it. Kona, Hawaii. Yeah, like my church camp experience is red dirt in Binger, Oklahoma, baby. And so my boy is currently in Kona. I mean, aloha. Like, I don't know what they teach at missions camp, but it's better than what I got in Bangor, baby. And, and so, but my boy right now is texting Renata and I like crazy. Hey, here's, here's what the camp looks like. Hey, he's, I mean, every, every text, heart, thumbs up, Love ya. Here's the song. Here's what worship looks like. Here's a picture of the piano player. Here's me and my friend. Here's, well, hey, connection right now with Dawson is so easy. Why? Because he is pretty thankful that dad and mom burned their miles and their money to send him to missions camp in Kona, right? He is grateful. He is, thank you. Communication is simple because he's living in an overflow of, whoa, I can't believe I got this, right? But if he loses that, it's very easy for us to just demand, give us a daily report, sucker. We want to hear where our money's going, punk. Where you at, boy? I I don't know if I'm going to do this next year. Well, and there, he, starts to get, he starts to just kind of get used to Kona. He starts to forget who burned his miles so that his boy could go to camp. He starts to forget some of that. And all of a sudden, that, that whole thing goes from life to law. Send me an update. And then it can become miserable. What's the difference? 
Ah, I want my boy. Hey, remember who gave you those miles, baby. Remember, right? Same with us. Communication with God, man, I'll pray. Man, I'll fast. What do you want? I'll serve. What do you, man, God, I just, I love to bless people. I love, where, God, what do you want to, I'll serve anywhere. Just put your glory in me, right? I just love you, love you, love you. Thank you. You saved me. You, you set my feet on a rock. I, I'm looking at the Calvary road and I'm seeing Jesus on a cross. He died in my place for my sin. I can't thank you enough. You rose from the dead. You defeated the enemy. <clears throat> Christus Victor. Jesus is victorious. Listen to the way that Eugene Peterson says it. He says this. He, so he, Eugene Peterson, uh, in the message version or the message paraphrase, says he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. I, <laughs> that's a weird version, but I like it. I mean, that sounds crazy to me, but I just feel that uh, like forever defeated him. And it's that I'm just thankful he went to the cross and I. I'm not going back to legalism. Legalism looks like death. I'm going to live in life. You can pick the language of John 15. I'll abide in the vine. And if I'm not abiding in the vine, then I'll die. You can use that same language. It's really the same language that we read in Genesis 3, the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's really that same idea here in Colossians 2 when we're talking about the preeminent Christ and we're talking about looking at the cross or living in legalism. But we're making a choice. If we'll live in life, or for living legalism, life or death. You can ultimately be living a behavioral, spiritually disciplined, in my own strength, Christian journey. And it's filled with death. Where you're comparing yourself to others, you're judging others in your head and in your heart, just like these, you're disqualifying people that you don't think they've had the right experiences or they're keeping the right diet or the right celebrating the right holidays. Mm. They don't do Halloween like we do Halloween. Mm. Right? I can do it, right? It's easy. It's so I'll just tell you this. Like for example, for me, I'm gonna risk being hated here, but here we go. Uh, I I, I'm not a movie, I'm not a uh, video game guy, right? Like I didn't grow up with video games. I'm not sure all the reasons. That's for a different sermon. Uh, that's a parenting message, but I, I, I grew up without video games. And uh, somehow I went straight into uh, college without being a video game guy. My roommate wasn't a video game guy. I went into an internship where there wasn't video games at the house. I went straight into another college living scenario. There wasn't video games. I don't know why. It's just the way it was. And I married Renata and we didn't have video games. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm 44 and I'm, video games have never been a part of my life. And so I just, I'm not a video game guy. Like I just, I don't do... I don't, do, I don't do video games, right? That's just, it's just me, right? So if I take that and I go, yeah, mm, look at me, baby. So spiritual. I don't do video games. Some people waste it. I'm going to write myself a poem about I don't do video games. All for the glory of God. I gave up duck hunt in seventh grade. I've been giving it up ever since, right? If I did that and I flipped it and I said, you know what, Ronnie? I saw you doing a video game, boy. What's up? And, and then Ronnie came back to me and goes, I'll tell you what, only way to experience Jesus is if you're going 75 miles an hour or faster. You ain't ever experienced God until you're on a motorbike going over 75 miles an hour. And then he, all of a sudden, we're in a little legalistic war. You with me? And I'm being a little bit facetious and silly to make the point. But this is what divides. This is what creates pain. 
This is where we get, we get our eyes on each other instead of our eyes on the Calvary road, our eyes on Christ. And so Paul's here saying, no, keep your eyes on Jesus, Calvary road, live from approval, not for approval. Last one. Legalism focuses on the outside, but life focuses on the inside. Real easy in the Christian journey. If you get disconnected from the head, I'm, I'm using that graphic word, decapitated. You get disconnected from Christ. We can all see outside, but we can't see inside. Only you and Jesus know what's going on on the inside. So it's easy to do the thing that Paul's talking about here. Because this is what you do when you just live disconnected and you start looking at other people instead of looking at Christ. You start to go, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to focus on what I see in really my outside or looking at other people's outside. And so Paul here, he's just, he's pointing them right before he goes into these three different kinds of people. These people that live for rules or these people that want to make sure you have the right experiences or these people that that are saying you got to have the, the right restrictions. Don't handle, don't touch, don't, 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 don't. And can I just say, one of the most beautiful things is when you're so connected to God that you just go, oh God, I want to voluntarily, I want to voluntarily come before you and give up the things I, that you call me to give up. And I want as much encounter with God as I can possibly have. And, and God, I, I want to I want to put restrictions on the things that would cause me to sin. And I'm going to give up. I'm going to, put, I'm going to say no to those things. That's a be- and and, and you, can, you can say, God, in the overflow of life, because I have life on the inside, because of what Christ has done, it's going to generate decisions that cause me to try to walk in obedience. And that's beautiful. So don't, in the name of legalism, give up on obedience. But in the name of life, you don't become judgmental and disqualify others. And ultimately, if you live in legalism, it will cause death. Because ultimately, when you live in legalism, you're disconnected from the vine, from God, consuming from the wrong tree, and you end up in death. And you end up miserable. You ever met a miserable Christian? My sister and I have. We, we mess, we've messed up. This is, is like, it's like, I mean, it's, it's some of the youth group workers that say, ah, ah, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this, but you ain't, you ain't coming close to sensing Jesus, right? It's just like, I don't, if that's Jesus, here's what a teenager says, I, I, don't, I don't want any of that. And they're like, yeah, but hell's hot. And you're like, man, you're talking like hell, like you're born and raised there. Like, I, I don't, Right? Seriously, that's why I'm talking about like for us, sorry, as we're, as we're focusing on, it's so important that we represent Jesus well. It's so important that you're walking with Jesus. You just put a behavioral mandate on a teenager or a 30-year-old or a 50-year-old or a 70-year-old, and they look at that and they go, I don't need your religion. I don't need your law. But if they see life, that guy I was talking about at McDonald's, I don't care about going to McDonald's, but man, when I'm around him, he's got the word of God flowing from his tongue. And I hear, and his marriage is amazing. And his son is like incredible man of God. He's like 47 years old. And he, I want to be like that guy. Like, does that make sense? And so I want to invite us just, man, we just get filled with life, get filled with life and you'll win. All right. Uh, let me tell one more story. <laughs> Storytelling day. 
start talking about religious people. I got so much to say. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> when, uh, when I was 23, uh, I went to Mexico and visited a missionary. And uh, there was five of us younger pastors. And we're talking to this missionary, incredible missionary. I have the most respect for him. And um, I began asking him questions about why he was seeing so much spiritual fruit in his life and ministry beyond what I could see in our church in Colorado. And I'll never forget his answer because it was painful for me to hear it. Now it's comical but, and has truth in it. But he said this, he goes, he goes, well, so you got a picture. He's like wearing Wranglers, big, long beard. Um, he's a Bowflex guy. So he's kind of literally flexing um, to show us that he's stronger than us. We were more like, you know, Umbros, latte wearing, um, whatever. Uh, dressed from the mall, pastors from America. And, uh, and he says this, he goes, he goes I, I said, tell me why you're seeing such spiritual fruit in the power of God in a way supernaturally than we're seeing. And he looked at me and he said, son, which that's always a rough start. I mean, people were calling me son till I was 40, but son, he goes, son, he goes, you American preachers. He said, you love your pictures on glossy books of yourselves more than you love Jesus. And I was like, and, and here's what he's saying. You love your method more than the man. In the whole ministry, you've got, you've become something where you're embracing a system, a method, and you got to get your focus back on the man, Jesus. So I want to invite us today to focus in on the man, Jesus, and not allow the methods, not allow the behavioral patterns to become the issue, but let them be avenues, the means to experience Christ. Not let the means become the end. Let Christ be the end. And the means be a necessary component to connect with God, to know him, to walk with him. Dallas Willard wrote a book called Hearing God. And in it, he uses the phrase methods of grace as a way of talking about spiritual disciplines. And when you look at the idea of being a disciple of Christ, because we're disciples, we embrace discipline. This is not a message about walking away from discipline. It's the motive of why I embrace the discipline. I don't fall in love with the discipline. I fall in love with the person of Christ. And the discipline sets up my heart. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve. I'm going to disciple teenage kids. I'm going to help make a difference. Camp Radiant. I'm going to, you fill in the blank. And it's when I do those things, I just put my heart before God. And it's not the things that I love. It's the Lord that I love. And as I'm following him, man, it becomes life. Real practical. How can, we, how can we learn from this? How can we change? Number one, I would invite you to review your external methods. Like just look at your life and go, what are the areas that maybe I've become legalistic in that I need to go back and say, I want to find life in. I want to connect to a person. Real easy in really good things, Bible study, prayer, in serving, giving, fasting, really easy to find some of those things and just do behavioral patterns, but not be connected to the person. But we want to come, and every single one of them, 
Word of God opened up. Lord, I, I want relationship. I want to be close to you. I, I'm starving. I'm hungry for the Word of God. Prayer. Oh, God, I want relationship. It's just like texting the kid in Kona. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? So grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Oh, oh, you're at work. Yes. Thank you. It's giving. That's why I like with our missions giving when we're wanting to help make a difference in our missionaries in Nepal or take the gospel around the world or help reach teenagers or to help plant new churches. It's not doing those things out of just a mean mandate from a God that tells us to give. No, it's the delight of our life to say, how can I give to help make a difference? It's, I, it's a joy. That's, it's what I love to do. Serve. Pick your thing. All of them can become death if you do it from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of them can become death if you're disconnected from the vine. All of them can become death if you're not staring at Christ, if you're, Paul's word, if you're not connected to the head, if you're just doing it out of a behavioral pattern. But all of those things can be a way where you just go, oh, I love to pray. Oh, I love, why? Because I love Christ. Second one is this, respond rightly to others. This is really key in the text. Paul is Bugged, frustrated, annoyed with people that are using behavioral accusations at the church. Really easy for us to do that. We never say that. We always think of other people as the ones that do that. Ain't no chance. I'm legalistic. Ah, right? But it's easy to do. It's, it's, it's easy to have this in us. And so looking at some of those relationships and saying, God, where have I missed it? God, where am I? Where, where's there... Where has there been disqualification and judging of others? We do it all the time about holidays and education and politics, and it can get rough. Asking God, Lord, would you do a fresh work inside of me? God, would you help me? And then the last one, this is what I'd like us to do today, is I just want us to remember the cross together. And just like Paul pointed them to the cross, we come back to the cross over and over and over again and say, it's not about my work. It's not about, hey, hey, babe, look what we give. Hey, babe, look how we serve. Hey, babe, look how we, that's your spouse. That's what I'm trying to do right there. <laughs> if you thought I was talking to you and this got awkward, sorry about that. Didn't make that clear. This, is, this would be my temptation. Yo, Renata, look at this. Look what we're doing for the kingdom. What's up? And in so doing, eyes on me, right? Eyes on us pride and the very thing, the very thing that God opposes. Grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. One of the easiest things to do in church life is to get spiritual pride over time. Just be a little bit, well, mm, look what the Lord has done in me over the years. Get a little bit of pride. But you come back to the cross see Jesus in your place for your sin, crushing the enemy, creating the way for you to have eternal life, life in Christ, life through Christ, life because of Christ. And you come back over and over again. It's not about me. It's all about Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. Christ is all. Christ is supreme. Christ is preeminent. Christ, not you. Not you, the most broken, weak, that's looking to the cross, needing salvation. 
and not you, the longtime disciple that has started to allow a little spiritual pride to creep in. All of us find grace at the cross, and it's in Christ alone that we find life. Take a few moments and just remember Christ together. If you go and take the cup, and if you'd like, if you'd like to join us today, you're a follower of Jesus, and you'd like to join us in communion, you're free to do that. If you'd rather not, that's fine. Just a moment. If you're not a follower of Christ, I'm going to give you a moment to make a decision. I want to just take a moment first for those of you who've decided, and you just want, in a fresh way, to follow Colossians 2 and say, he gave me life. He made me alive in Christ. Second phrase, he forgave me. Third phrase, he, the debt, he canceled my debt, the debt I could never pay. Man, just for us in our context in America, even that debt doesn't quite hold the weight of what it, what it meant in the first century where they picture a prison that they're locked in because of indebtedness. So we don't quite feel it like they felt it. But here's the big idea. Christ gave you life that you did not deserve. It came through him. He forgave you. When you were dead in your sin, he made you alive. And the debt that you could never pay would have been locked in a debtor's prison for the rest of your life. He set you free. So we don't sing songs with empty lyrics. We sing, you set my feet, you saved me, you turned me around, and we're singing about this moment, the cross, that Calvary road, and we never get tired of remembering. I thank God for the cross. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you so grateful for the body that was broken for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross for us, and today as Radiant Church, we look to you and we just say thank you. And with the capital C church around the world, we join as believers. Remember the cross. Go ahead and take of the bread, representing the body that was broken for you. And now the cup blood of Christ shed for you. Today, you may be somebody who right now, you, ha you haven't entered into a relationship with Christ. And I love the prodigal story. It's my favorite story in the scripture. I come back to it over and over again because I picture that moment where the father says, my son was lost and is found. He was dead and he's alive again. Well, you and I know that he, he was never physically dead. The picture is he was out of relationship. He was dead. The wages of sin is death. You eat from the wrong tree, and it produces death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So today, 
because of the finished work of the cross, you too can be in right standing with God and you can find life in Christ. If you wanna begin a relationship with God, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross that you can have relationship with God. And I wanna invite you just to pray this prayer and begin that journey. If you wanna start that, that journey as a follower of Christ, this isn't the only prayer that you pray, but this is a good step in getting started of surrender. Just pray this, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. I surrender to you. Save me. Change me. Make me a new person. Give me a new life in Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you paid my debt that I could never pay and gave me life in Jesus. Amen.